sleep, motherfucker. Don't go to sleep. Do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. Well, what the hell are you saying, Doss? You bruised half your body sleeping. I, I sleep pretty hard. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Uh, hey, it's Brian. <laughs> and hey, it's Murdoch. It is Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Everybody, the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. So glad you can make it again. And if it's the first time, holy crap. We're glad you're we're here. We're glad you're here. Yeah. Uh, so we're just jumping right in. Do you, do you know the name of Perry Ariat Reed? Yes. Okay. And it's it's Pebbles. Uh, right? <laughs> just jumping right in. I was going to say you might know her by a different name, but I wasn't going to go there yet. I was going to say you might know her. You might know her by the name she uses at her church where she's a pastor. They call her oh, what? Sister Perry. That's that's the name she uses now. She has a ministry called Women of God Changing Lives Through Christ. Do you here, I just sent this to you. Read the description of her ministry. Alright, hold on. I <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna lay it on me. She was who who is uh, uh Montel Jordan? You know Montel Jordan is like a preacher. He's like um, a motivational speaker. Didn't he come to your work back when you worked in the corporate world? We were on lockdown. Well, we were locked. What the fuck? I can't forget. It was the pandemic, so we had to do it virtual. Um, but you had, a, you had like a guest speaker, Montel Jordan. Montel Jordan. I was freaking the freak out, man. And it had been, I knew about it for months, months. And what I didn't know that he was going to lay on people because I remember, but I bet a lot of people don't know because th- there was a rumor, yeah. just like we're going to talk about today. There was a rumor, and he didn't know about it, and the rumor was Montel Jordan, known for his hit, This Is How We Do It, found dead this morning. Oh. So that's when his life changed. He, he realized he, he was real- just going to be known for that one stupid song? Yeah. His his <laughs> his life was Montel Jordan, comma. Singer right? of This Is How We Do It. And, yeah. and he, he, he literally talked about what life is, is is after that comma. Okay, sorry. I was so excited to talk about this is how we do it. Okay, this is what um, Sister Perry's church is. Um, Women of God Changing Lives Through Christ, which is W-O-G-C-L, Wackle. I just made it up. That, that isn't actually a thing. <laughs> we could call it it's that. It's an anointed training, teaching, healing, and deliverance ministry that is founded on biblical principles and committed to serving God's people with a spirit of excellence, integrity, and love. It's kind of nice. It's based in Atlanta. This is where Sister Perry is called home for a long time. But she was born in Oakland, California, 1964. And her first calling before anointing and training and teaching her first calling was music, and by the time yeah. she was 16, she had a gig in this band, Confunction. Do you remember those guys, Confunction? Oh, dude, dude, do you know Confunction? Oh my gosh, I had I had stuff on wax. Really? Was, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. Imagine you know you're kind of looking around and starting to figure out. Oh, there's classic rock, and then when you start to look at R and B and blues, like you went yeah, what, here. What was before this? Right? Yeah. Here's a fun fact. Okay, the lead singer of that band ended Con- up Confunction. Yeah, of Confunction. The lead singer of that band ended up being MC Hammer's producer and songwriter. That's really? why we pray. Really? <laughs> I don't know if he wrote that song. I just wanted to sing it. So yeah. anyway, if you don't know who They're Confunction great. is, yeah, they were like James Brown inspired funk. And they were on Mercury Records for a while. Uh, Murdoch owned some. And they, they were fairly popular in their own right. Sister Perry even wrote a song with them, and she got some interest uh, from labels for a deal of her own. But she gets pregnant 
early 80s, and those deals all fall apart because, you know, it's the record industry in the 80s. And she gets a job at a real yeah. estate office to make ends meet, and she meets a contractor who falls for her pretty hard. And he falls so hard that when he hears the story about her missed musical greatness, he agrees to bankroll her aspirations in, in the present time. And so he gives her $80,000 dollars in 1980 <laughs> like whatever this is two or three and she yeah. takes the money and makes a demo and a video of herself singing and the song that she puts on this demo yeah you ride in my mercedes boy i used to play this on the radio at Super Mix 80s Saturday night. Yeah. It was like the dance party that we would uh, throw on the I, radio. I had to play this on the radio too. If she really like did this, I mean, she had the 80 grand. I don't know what else. She, I mean, the ROI, the ROI on Mercedes <laughs> bought must have been 500 to one. Right. Uh, well, not, I mean, not immediately though, because she actually, she has another single first, but yeah, Pebbles. This you 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 blew this to the top, but this is the name that she will Beatles, use on stage. Pebbles. She will she will not go by Perry. Uh, she will go by Pebbles. Pebbles is a stage name said to have come from her godfather, who uh, used to say that she reminded him of the cartoon character from the Flintstones. Right, right. So, and and Brian and I were talking about it earlier. So Pebbles was what I thought it was, and I remember doing it. And at some point in a, a conversation that kind of turned weird in a social setting, someone told me that it wasn't pebbles. Like, I don't know that it isn't pebbles guy who made tens of dollars in radio for working there like <laughs> tens of years. Why would I not know who the hell, how to pronounce that damn lady? Song? And they said it wasn't, it was pebbles. That is and not like, what correct. Is and and the, I remember it so clearly because they said, "What is she? Did she have a duo with Bam Bam?" And yes. It's like, well, I guess she could. She could have. She right? could have. What an idiot. Anyway, right? Idiot. So now, but so now, Pebbles, <laughs> Mercedes boy. <laughs> is it? Is it? That's you didn't tell me anything about this church minister stuff at all. But yeah, so she's now a church minister in Atlanta. That's crazy. And and what's wilder than that is that a lot of people assume that what drove her to the ministry is what we're going to talk about today. It's what drove her yeah. away from the music business and into something else. It's all tied up in the story that we're about to hit. So there's two things I want to be clear on. One, I don't want this to turn into a full-on tabloid or soap opera. And two, I want to be respectful of Pebbles as a woman and as a person. But it's important to this story that we dive into her love life briefly. The, the rest of the casting here is unreal of this story. It really is. I'm so excited well, to talk about it. It's funny because I mentioned Holy this crap. I mentioned this story to my wife, and I was like, you know, I mean, I told her like where we were headed, and I said, you know, Pebbles is involved. And she was like, ah. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like Pebbles, I totally know who Pebbles is. A lot of people know who Pebbles is. But like she is the least famous person for the rest of this episode. Yes, that is correct. Everyone else we're going to talk about is more famous than her, but I don't think that they might be the main character based on uh, how this rolls out. So, okay. okay. So we have to talk about her love life. She's her, her, already her ex-husband at some point. Yeah. I mean, you're right. So she had a few husbands, the first two unbeknownst to you. We've already talked about that's, the father of her first child. She's married to him briefly. And then she ends up marrying this contractor who bankrolls her. But the third husband is a guy named Antonio Reed. If everybody's following along to the saga of pebbles, 
and her best friend Bam Bam. <laughs> her third husband is L.A. Reed. And if you're not familiar with who L.A. Reed is, he had a huge run at Arista, Def Jam, and Epic. And he had an enormous career. He worked with Mariah Usher, Avril Lavigne, and Justin Bieber, just to name just a couple people. An interesting side note that I've always liked about the L.A. Reed story, he and his partner, Babyface, not from the coast. They come from our region. Yeah. Uh, L.A. Reed comes out of Cincinnati. And Babyface comes out of Indianapolis, and they both start as musicians who are actively in bands in their area. Um, think about Rick Rubin for Pete's sake. Yeah. I, I saw a thing. I don't. If he was on sixty. It was sixty minutes Australia. I don't know how I ever see that on YouTube, but there was an interview, <laughs> and, and they asked him about process. So Rick, Rubin he, didn't, he didn't play anything, to, right? He doesn't know how to play any fucking instruments. That's at all. wild. It's wild he, that you would devote he, your life to he, this and like not know how to play anything. He, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, the first dancing record. The guy has touched things that were amazing. Like, mm-hmm. he got to do that thing with McCartney. He just lays in the room. But if you have musicians yeah. that are part of the machine, yeah. they know they their way understand, around. Yeah. They understand what the, you know, what the people that are on the roster, what they need. You know? Right. And so L.A. Reid works on that first Pebbles record. And that's, that's right. Yeah, that's how she meets L.A. But we talked about Mercedes Boys, the demo that gets her the deal. That's actually the second single. When the songs are recorded and released to radio, they first put out this song "Girlfriend" because it's got it's got some muscle behind it. It was written by because Mercedes Boy. Let me just be clear: it's written by Pebbles. But that's right. "Girlfriend" is written by L.A. Reid and Babyface, which just is smoking hot and crazy to get that thing happen to you. But it wasn't supposed to go to Pebbles. Yeah, it wasn't. It the wasn't story. crazy. No, no, she controlled her own destiny. It was not crazy. Just like that eighty grand, the baby daddy threw at her to like. <laughs> it wasn't the baby Mercedes. daddy. It was the yeah. the guy at the construction it was company. The contractor. Yeah, it was the contractor. Oh, right. It was the baby. Is the contractor? Yeah, it was yeah, it yeah, the baby yeah. daddy. Man, dudes just throwing. Late <laughs> dudes are throwing cash. Pebbles all so this wait wait sorry, okay, sorry. go watch Let the Mercedes Boy video. This is I just you know if you're like why are guys throwing cash at, at Pebbles? Just go watch the Mercedes Boy video. There's she's so, there's a flair. She's got it. The, the the story is the song was promised to Vanessa Williams, and yeah. then Pebbles wanted it so badly that she she paid for it like paid like eighteen and grand I, for I, it. Not only that, I think yeah, I think the contractor gave up some cars. Like it's a little unclear where the cars come from, but when you read about this, they say there were cars involved for them to get that song. Yeah. So and Vanessa Williams will never work with L.A. Reid after this because that bridge is burned and she is very upset about it, which I get. I get. So, you know, there are these tabloid ready rumors about Pebbles in L.A. I said we're not going to go there. Supposedly, that relationship from the very beginning is a bit tumultuous. But what we need to gather for our for our purposes is the inspiration she takes from LA when she gets into this relationship and she sees what LA is doing with other artists she wants to do that too she wants to be on the the discovery and the development side of things yeah pebbles wanted to get the her mind on her money money on her mind she had like her 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 brain was going there as a businesswoman and so she forms a production company called pebitone and yeah, and the story goes that her aspiration from the beginning is Pepitone is I am going to use it to find, form, and mentor a girl group. And so she just starts actively looking for one. Yeah, and when you say actively looking, 
sounds like she was asking everyone she knew of everybody who could sing to be in the girl group. She was just asking around. The legend is she actually asks her hairdresser, and he's literally like, oh, yeah, you should talk to the girl who does shampoo. And that's how she meets Tion Watkins. Right. So the way... Oh, man, I want to tell you so many things. We ha- I haven't told you about this. The way I've heard this story, Dion happens to have a girl group already. Yeah, right. So she's she's auditioned for someone else, Dion has. And, and yeah. that woman's name is Crystal Jones. And she's forming a group she already has this idea for called Second Nature. And the group's going to be Crystal and the two women she chose out of this big audition, one of which is Tion, and the other one is a girl who had moved to Atlanta from the East Coast to dance in a music video, and her name is Lisa Lopez. Rock and roll bedtime stories, listeners. Can you see where this is going? <laughs> remember. You, do you understand the alphabet? Remember, what Pebbles wants to do is manufacture a group. So you can draw the conclusion here that she's seeing this sort of wizardry from behind the scenes with what LA at Reed and Babyface are doing. And she wants to take raw talent, make it something that connects with an audience and sells records. So when she meets Tion and is introduced to second nature, she has notes. She has ideas for them. Yeah. There's definitely one name of those three that I don't think I recognize. Right. Okay. So Elisa Lopez, Tion Watkins, you might recognize those two names. Crystal Jones, the woman who starts Second Nature, where did she come from? She did an interview in 2013 where she says that Pebbles, pretty quickly upon meeting the trio that she had put together, begins using, quote, these are Crystal Jones's words, quote, manipulations to become their manager. Re- read this quote about the contracts. Okay, hold on. I'll read this. Um... Quote, I didn't understand the contract as I was being asked to sign. And I turned to Pebbles and I asked her if I could take mine home and have my mom look at it. And she said, absolutely not. Holy crap. It's like Peter Grant. Like, holy crap. Pebbles is like got some pipe hitting like security guards and stuff running around with her with briefcases full of cash. Well, do you want to ride my Mercedes boy? This is. And guys, this story hasn't started. I know. It's it's barely, we're barely out of the gates. Now, here's the thing. Pebbles will famously, we're going to get to this, famously dispute this account as being not true. But I'm just going to keep reading Crystal Jones's account. She continues on. So I chose not to sign my contract, thinking in my head that there would be a little loyalty. Maybe, you know, these two girls I just hired, they'll ask me why I didn't sign. And then Tion and Lisa and I will have this whole conversation. But she says, but no one questioned it. No one ever asked. They kept having meetings without me. And all of a sudden, they told me they didn't want me in the group anymore. I read that before they even officially were a group of their own. Pebbles puts Tion and Lisa in a Pebbles music video. And they purposely don't give Crystal (laughs) enough time to get there for the shoot. It's like... Hashtag passive aggressive awesomeness. Like that is some it's, nasty it, yeah, passive aggressive. I mean, and again, you're hearing this from people years after the fact who are still pissed off about it. But l- let me just give you a little spoiler alert that will come as a shock to no one who is a fan of this show and knows the kinds of stories we usually tell. Uh, Crystal was the smartest one of all of them. I mean, she she had a head on her shoulders. Let's go ask mom. That's a good idea, kids. If you've got someone shoving a record contract in your face, yeah, go ask your mom. I think that's a great idea. 
Crystal gets replaced, right? That's so, how that uh-huh. works. Do, do you remember the R&B group Damien? Damien? Dame? Do you remember this? That's not a person. That's a group. I, yeah, I remember the name of the group. They were like a L.A. Reed or babyface band, right? Well, they were the first on the record label that they started okay. together. LaFace, right. which, of course, big part of the story, and you probably have heard of that record label. And their story is wild. Sure. It's a male and female duo. Both members are dead by 96. And it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but it's just tragic. But the reason we bring them up is... The first thing that Tion and Lisa do on a recording, so the first thing they do on video is they're in this Pebbles video, is, is backup. This, the first thing they do on a recording with audio is on a Damien Dame song. And in this process, at some point, I'm sure, the Damien Dame backup dancers are involved, and Pebbles notices one in particular that she thinks is a good fit, and that is a girl named Rosanda Thomas. So, Pebbles pulls this woman over to take crystal's place right yeah but they have a problem so <laughs> that's right they, they, they were, have a problem they were called Does everyone know the problem they were called second nature and then pebbles did not like that that was one of her notes so she had decided that they would take the first initial of each of their names and they would come up with something fun which was tion which would would be the t and then lisa which would be the l and then crystal which would yep. be the c so you have tlc Problem is, they've met this woman who they think is a good fit, but her name is Rosanda, and TLR is not a thing. <laughs> TRL That's is a thing later, request but, li- yeah. but but yeah. TLR is not a thing at all. And so they just decide to come up with a fake name for her, and they decide That's to start. Right. They start calling her Chili, and Pebbles has yeah. now created her girl group. It goes by the name TLC. Are you looking for a good rock and roll book? Do you watch a ton of rock and roll documentaries like me? Well, that's why I started the Rock Talk Studio podcast, to be the place to go for previews, reviews, and recommendations on rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. Every first Tuesday of the month, the Rock Talk Studio gets you caught up on all the latest and points out where to go for the good stuff. Every 15-minute podcast explores the world of rock and roll books, docs, and movies from every possible angle to leave you with a no-doubt decision on where to spend your time and money. Fan or just casual fan, or maybe you're on the fence and you're looking for something new to check out, either way, I got you covered. Bonus episodes features interviews with talent like New York Times bestselling author Alan Paul, who just came on the show to discuss his new Allman Brothers book, Brothers and Sisters. Join me, Big Rick, every first Tuesday of the month as I host the Rock Talk Studio podcast, the ultimate review of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. It's so fun. I got so excited when we were talking about this because I I hated this freaking music, Brian, and I hated this song. And I, I just, I remember like having this just nasty vitriol of like terrible pop music. And then um, do I, do I, I, I guess I could out my friend. I have a friend named poochie and it's her it's her grandmother her her italian grandmother has these mannequins and i remember going to these fashion shows it's not like poochie the dog from that the simpsons episode but anyway I'm sure she, she loves that that's working. the first comparison you make anyway she got she got a job working for tlc's publicist really and so like with their publicity company yeah so i started going to these parties okay and and man, I instead of hearing waterfalls every single night going out and being like, I, I hate this song. It was like 
it became the highlight of every evening of going out because it's like, I knew I was going to hear waterfalls because pretty much everywhere I would go, they were playing waterfalls. I was lived in New York at that time. And I was just, we, I, and so I ended up loving that song and being turned on to that, to that band and that, that group, which was totally weird. Well, it, and it's interesting. You bring up waterfalls, right? That's they—they they have a little success before waterfalls. That's what pushes them oh, yeah. over the edge. But what I forget is not just how big they were, because I remember them being big, yeah. and I know that people still love them and and those songs. What I forget is how long they were big for, to the point that it literally overlaps sort of our coming of age experiences. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they're still big when I'm in high school at the end of the 90s. But they start at yeah. the very beginning of the 90s when you're in college. When I'm, when I'm leaving high school. Right. Yeah, and I'm going to college. And then, and then fan mail is like when I've left college. I, lo- I love I'm, some of that stuff on fan mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so let's talk about TLC because – I want everyone to understand that TLC is not just a silly pop group and they have an amazing story with a burning house. And we'll talk about that a little bit. So here's the cool part. Crazy, sexy, cool, which is kind of a classic at this point. It stays on the billboard 200 for over two years. It's certified 12 times platinum and sold 12 million copies. It'll make TLC the first girl group in history to be awarded the diamond status, like ZZ top, like, a trio. Yeah, it's like, huge. They're the, they're the female trio. Yeah, yeah. They've sold over 15 million worldwide. So that's their total. They're considered the best-selling. That that record is the best-selling album of any American girl group of Damn. all time. And they have six Grammy nods. Damn. That trio does. TLC. What's, yeah. what's maybe the wildest thing about TLC, though, is that they manage to be both commercially and critically successful I mean, critics still love this record. It usually ranks pretty high on greatest mm-hmm. of all time list, right? Uh, and there's all over the tabloids. Right. Like usually, you can't have all three. Yeah. You can't. You can't have the people love you, the critics love you, and be tabloid fodder. You have to p- choose two, right? The critics. Well, usually, yes. usually it's one or two. Something it's either sucks. the critics love you, and the other stuff doesn't happen, or the public loves you and your tabloid fodder. But you can't have all three. They're like this rare exception that get to do all three. Burning down the house, man. That that dog Lisa the entire time like that's the thing that's yeah, unfortunately it's kind of stamped we should, in. Yeah, we should talk about it because it's hard to talk about this band without it. That's that's not the main story we're headed towards with this trio because this one is not Let's a rumor. Take a side step over here. Yeah, this is this is very substantiated. This actually dogs Lisa Lopez so much um, that it overshadows like I have it out of time like I think it happens later until I was doing this research I I didn't realize how early it happened this happens before crazy sexy cool because just to back up for a second 1992 is their first record so they do this stuff with Damien Dame and they do this stuff with Pebbles at the very beginning of the 90s and then they do this record ooh on the TLC tip in 92 crazy sexy cool happens in 94 it's in between those it's like while they're making crazy sexy cool that this stuff goes down with uh lisa lopez so do you do you just want to walk us through the bullet points here on what happens with her so left eye uh, should I, just, I should call it lisa she, you can call her left eye lisa, i mean she she that was she lisa, liked that that was not i don't think pebbles even gave that to yeah. her i think that was her so so lisa was uh very open about her alcohol 
problems. And so she, at the time she was, she, her boyfriend was Andre Rison. He was a Falcons player. Uh, that was her boyfriend. Again, this is all in Atlanta. I think we forget that because a lot of times we think about music stuff happening in LA or New York, but this is Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's a, he's a Falcons player and, and there was domestic violence that was involved in it. And it really sucked. And so, um, there was a, a lot of that. And then one night, just in retaliation for it, what's become very famous is she took, I didn't know this part, this middle part of how the fire started. She took a bunch of his tennis shoes and put them in the <laughs> bathtub, which was fiberglass and set them on fire. Fiberglass melted and the frame, this gigantic mansion burns uh, and she gets booked for that. So there's a crazy backstory to this that I had never heard until preparing this episode. So it sounds wild that she would throw her stuff in a bath, throw stuff in a bathroom and set it on fire. Here's what I, I had no idea. So this was a thing she did. This was a move. She had done it before. And it was, it was a literal, like, I'm going to set shit on fire move. Like, you hurt me or you don't respect me, whatever. She gets emotional and she gets mad and she sets something on fire. But yeah. in her defense, like, I honestly weirdly find this as a defense. So, yes, me she, too. She had done this before with teddy bears that he had bought her. So they got into some fight. I can imagine that it was like, you say you love me and blah, 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 blah. This means nothing. I'm setting this stuff on fire. I, it's dramatic, but I I'm get it. I'm setting all the all the teddy bears you gave me on fire in, in this bathtub. So it's a mansion. <laughs> and he has a really nice marble bathtub. And so he she sets the teddy bears on fire in the marble bathtub. Now, if you know much about chemistry, you set a fire in marble, nothing really happens, but you damage the bathtub. And so that fire gets put out. Andre Risen decides that he's going to replace the bathtub at some point. And so he replaces it, but they don't have like a family meeting. They don't have a discussion. Just think about these two people. They don't go, listen, don't set a fire in the bathtub again because I'm going to put in a fiberglass bathtub instead of a marble bathtub. Like, that's not a conversation you have. But he's looking at now, the cost, and he decides, meh, yeah. I'll just put in a fiberglass bathtub in case things go sideways again. Doesn't think about it. Two, pe- two people that would never talk about the Costco option. Like, this is the, <laughs> mid- this is the 90s, and, like, they, they're beating, they're uh, fighting a lot. Yeah, so when he replaces the bathtub, he puts the fiberglass one in. In her rage, obviously, she doesn't think about this. She goes to burn things in the bathtub. Much bigger problem. Burns down the house. She's sentenced to five years probation and therapy in a halfway house, which, for the story we are headed towards, it's important that I point this out, that she is in a halfway house for a little bit. Yeah. But before we get there, let's very quickly touch on the rumor of there's a rumor that as she burned it and then the house caught on fire, for some reason she had to catch a ride. Like she didn't have a car there and someone picked her up. So this, and I don't know if this is true or not. Yeah. But, but yeah. say, say so who it the is. Rumor, the rumor is that she sets the mansion on fire and Tupac picks her up. Which is gangster not, shit. I'm just saying that is gangster as it gets to have Tupac pick you up after you commit arson. Accidental yeah. or not. Can you hear California in your head? Like, which Tupac <laughs> song do you hear when he's driving off with, with the house burning in the background and he's got Lisa left eye there? Uh, oh, wow. That's dreamy. Anyway, so, but anyway, so to your point, like, she has a wild reputation, clearly, and this clearly just throws fire to it, pun intended, but it never stops. Like, their success actually, hockey sticks up. 
Yeah, and there's there's this whole ser- there's this whole thing where when they're promoting Crazy Sexy Cool, they go to a magazine and I forget which one it is, like Vibe or somebody, and the photographer puts them in fireman outfits. Yeah. And oh, they yeah. they claim they they go into the press after this and like, "Oh, we didn't think about it." Like they they act they literally and it made people mad because it was like her making fun of the fact of about what she'd done instead of being remorseful about it because you know she's a woman she should be she should be remorseful about everything and so yeah it, it was a whole thing and then their whole their whole thing was like oh yeah we didn't even think about it we just thought it was fun to pose in these cool jackets but I still remember like without any context I remember being a kid probably twelve or something and seeing that magazine cover like I, I remember that whole oh yeah thing and 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 initially when i saw it i didn't think oh this is in such bad taste i was like god these are beautiful fire women like that's really (laughs) what i was looking that's really what i saw i was like they're gorgeous fire women these outfits they really are at some point it's like oh oh that's that's yeah i was i was always a chili guy chili's chili's my girl whether or not that's her real name uh okay so as I already said, critically and commercially, these girls top of their game. But financially, while all this is going on, nope. things are not going as well. Now, there's stuff that will come out later that one of them has sickle cell anemia. There's like crazy stuff that's happening, right? Yeah. But yeah. But the bottom line is that July 3rd, 1995, TLC files Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And there's yeah, this mid-90s. in-depth 1996 piece in the LA Times that you're going to find in the show notes. And it breaks down this case piece by piece, but we'll just sort of breeze through some of the highlights here. Hit us from the LA times. Yeah. So quote, even by industry standards, TLC's case stands out after five years. Lopez says the trio had received less than 1% of the estimated 175 million in revenues that the group's music had generated around the world. Analysts say that's about 40 times less than the profit that has been divided amongst the management production record companies that represent TLC. Holy yikes. Next, next quote, next paragraph, TLC signed a contract in 91 that pays the group 7% on the sale. I remember this. This is the part I remember uh, like very vividly. It pays the group 7% on the sale of each album or 60 cents. After the company takes the contract deductions for packaging, promotional giveaways, and other costs. However, like most acts, TLC is not paid a single penny until after the company is reimbursed for cash advances spent on studio recording, video productions, radio promotion, and tour support. Analysts say that breaks down to 20 cents per album that the three of them split. Now you just said how many albums they sold, right? They eventually will sell something like it goes 12 times 15, 15, 15 15 million, which is, which is wild. So, but even if you do that math, 15 million times 0.2 is not that much in the, in the overall scheme of things. If you're talking about perpetuating a life for three people. So of course it's funny because I hear these stories and I, I just go back to like the Tony DeFreeze, David Bowie episode, right? Like we've had episode after episode of this sort of stuff around bad deals that people get talked into or that they take on and not really realizing the implications. So you might want to remember the quote from Crystal, the girl who does not Mm -hmm. end up signing anything or becoming part of TLC subsequently. Uh, 
when it when it comes to pebbles, read what the LA Times says in 1996. This is some gangster stuff, everybody. You ready? Okay. Acting as their manager, L.A. Reid advised the trio to sign a production and publishing deal with Pepitone and then negotiated her own deal with her husband's label. Under that agreement, L.A. Face, sorry, LaFace was required to pay Pepitone a 15% royalty each time a TLC album was sold. Now, there's also a telling quote in this specific article about what the motivations might have been for this bankruptcy. Because, yeah, they're looking for their money, but if you file bankruptcy, a lot of things fall away, right? It basically says, I don't have any obligations to anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm making this sacrifice, but, by, but part of what I get back is I don't have any obligations. So there is this VP from Arista who is quoted... And Arista owns LaFace Records. I also just realized right. right when you read that earlier that LaFace is a combination of L.A. Reed and Babyface. Just totally had missed that. Yeah, that's that. what it is. I totally had missed that. Oh, yeah. That's- so th- this, is what the, this is what the guy says. This bankruptcy case is nothing but a ploy to break their contract. But it sort of was, right? I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's sor- they- it sort of was. Right. And eventually they get to do that. It takes two years and that case gets settled and TLC's contract gets renegotiated and Pebbles works out one of the deals where she lets them out of the management contract, but she will still get a percentage of future earnings because that is how she rolls. That's the Tony DeFreeze deal. That's what he did to Bowie. Yeah. Until Bowie did Bowie bonds and bought everything back. So TLC yeah. gets and <laughs> here's the other thing they get to do. They get to buy the name TLC from Pebbles because to this point she actually owned their name. And it's it's said right. that this is around the time when all of this happens and all of this drags through court. This is around the time that Pebbles finds Christ and she undergoes that religious conversion and she becomes known as Sister Perry instead of Pebbles. Yes. We have full circle got back to Sister Perry. But, you know, here's here's the crazy thing. We are 30 minutes plus into this telling, and we're, yeah. just, we're just now getting to the letter. <laughs> so Here's the letter. Here's the letter. We, we had everybody. to do all of that as setup before we could get to the letter. So Peta uh, wrote us, and she says, Hey, guys, is it true that TLC once held their record label hostage to renegotiate their contract. <laughs> it's like the funnest story. It's like, I don't know. It, it, it's like the, the, it's like the top tier of the cake of like uh, tabloid. Yeah. TLC it's, it's the wildest. Stories. It's the wildest. Our reaction to being taken advantage of by our record label story ever. So, so, I mean, I would say that yeah. if someone was to ask me as a co-host of this show, what's the craziest, like, this is the craziest story I've ever heard. Now, yeah. she asks, the, the, the letter asks, is this true? Did this happen? Here's how I'm going to answer. I'm going to say that it is undoubtedly true that TLC says this happened. Now, <laughs> yes, did it happen? True. Did it happen? That's a different question. Does TLC say it happens? 
here's yes, of course. I'm not sure when this story exactly enters the lexicon. It's been around for a little bit, and it makes the movie. So we haven't talked about this at all, but Mm-mm. a lot of the Pebbles drama and the TLC stuff that we're about to talk about all gets stirred up in 2013, well after everything has happened. 15 some years after everything has happened, right? Because VH1 makes this movie about TLC. And a few years ago, Chili does a Q&A at Full Sail University. You've seen the ads. You've wondered what they do. They evidently host great panels and put them on YouTube. This is very entertaining, and it's in the show notes if you want to go watch a long-form talk from Chili from TLC. So this is like 2017? Like, it wasn't that long ago. And she gets asked. A guy stands up and says, I want to know about this. You running in with guns into your record label. Is this a true story? And so she spends 10 minutes. It's a 10-minute clip telling this story from her perspective. Wow. Yeah. And there is when the movie had when the movie came out in 2013, this was the first thing everybody asked was is that story actually true? And in all the interviews, both surviving members of TLC, we haven't even talked about Lisa dying, which like this is there's so many TLC stories to tell. Uh so Oh, it's so much. It it's yeah. uh, it's a lot. So both of the remaining members basically are like, "Oh, they toned it down for the movie." Like, it was even crazier than the movie makes it seem, right? So this is a talking point for them about, here's, look, we were so badass, this is what we did with our record label. So I want to say, first, that the timetable is unclear. Like, it's a very unclear, any reading of this that I have done, no one says when this actually happens. It's, it's loose, right? So I don't know if it happens... Before the bankruptcy, if it happens after the bankruptcy, the only thing Chili says in her full sale talk is that they are out from under the wing of Pebbles when this happens. So they've they've gotten free of Pebbles. What what that actually means? Have they got all the way through court, or is she just not managing them? And it's unclear if she stops managing them in '95 when the bankruptcy happens. Like all these things are muddy, which makes the vagueness of this story easier to exist because there's not a hard timetable on it. So I just needed to point that out. Um, Here's how it's told. The girls get pebbles out of the picture, but still can't figure out where their money's gone. Every time they ask somebody, people just point to somebody else. I don't know. Go ask them, right? L.A. Reid owns their label, but he won't give them a straight answer. And so their thinking is this. Our boss won't answer us so what's the next option you go that's your boss's boss you go to boss's boss you go to your boss's boss correct yeah and as i already mentioned la face la and babyface their label was owned by arista and so the girls claim that they hatch a plot to force a face-to-face conversation with the music legend known as clive davis now, Brian, define <laughs> hatch a plot. Well, because I think it's just a great way of saying anything because this whole thing is so crazy <laughs> as shit. Very dramatic. So, so, again, to hear Chili tell this story, claiming it's God honest, God's honest truth, they say that they, they basically converge on New York. Like they're not all in New York, but Clive is. So they make a plan no, to yeah. meet in New York. 
And here is where I've dropped a detail earlier about Lisa after burning down the mansion being in a halfway house. The, a famous talking point in this story is that Lisa calls her friends that she met in the halfway house. Now, again, very unclear on the timeline because she is doing five years of probation and all that crap goes down in early 90s, right? What I said before, crazy, sexy, cool. So like 93? So she could have been doing rehabilitation. I don't know how long she has to go to the halfway house, but that five-year window is to 98. So it falls within that. It falls within there. So she calls these girls and Chili will say that they were big girls. That's what she says in this full sale university thing. She's like, they were really sweet. They're like, hey girl, but they were huge. And yeah. so Chili will describe that they use a few as bodyguards, and then the rest, this is all part of the the plot they hatch. They're like you guys, you two or three, you come in with us when we go see Clive. And the rest of you, while we're in with Clive, we want you to go to every floor of Arista and take anything that has our name on it. So if you see gold records, if you see lapel pins, if you see contract, whatever you see that says TLC, it's ours. So take it because they owe us something. So we're just going to take stuff. So this is a two-part plot. So they come in and Chili says they call ahead and tell Clive they're coming. And... Uh, they, they're, they're, have you heard the Puff Daddy part of this story? Yes. Go ahead and tell it, and then I have a small comment. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite part of this story, it honestly, where I think it jumps the shark. Spoiler alert, because I'm, I'm, I have some, I have some opinions about this whole story. Where I think it gets ridiculous is this part of the story. So they claim. Yes. And Chili tells this in great detail that they walk in and Puff Daddy is in the midst of playing a new song for Clive Davis. And they send one of the girls from the halfway house over to stop the recording. Just presses stop and says, your meeting with Clive's over. Ours is about to begin. And they kick Puff Daddy out of the room. That is supposedly what happens, according to these girls. And then they block right. the doors and they turn to Clive and they demand to know where their missing money is. And, and depending on sort of who's telling the story, there are guns involved. So this is where you get the holding their record label or holding Clive Davis hostage because right now at some point, cause my other question is like, is there a police report on this? Like where are the cops? And Chili yeah. does say that some cops show up. And if you, depending on what you read, people will blame this on puff daddy or they will blame it on the people who are like, why are these random women taking things off the wall? <laughs> like, someone should call the authorities because these random people we've yeah. never seen before are just taking things from the office. They they don't have a door badge, yeah. and they're walking around taking all these plaques. Yeah. The, so that, that gets security. So they, they have to call the cops. Yeah. But there's the other... The other part of the story is maybe police. Right. Maybe... And Puff Daddy, whatever he was called. In. The way they tell the story is that Clive basically talks them down and then they sort of get what they want and then they leave and then there's no repercussions. Like it, it, it falls apart at the end. It's a, it's all rise. This story's all rise with no sort of ending in shape. Now they do say that they have a limo waiting at the bottom of the building. And like they had all this plant. When I said hatch a plot, that's what I mean. They, they claim to have, 
planned all this out so they could fill the limo with the stuff they take off the walls, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it is a wild story. Yeah. So, um, we could talk about whether we think this happened or not, which we'll, we'll do here. Here's my tinfoil hat QAnon POV. (laughs) Let's say it really did happen. Let's say they really planned this thing. And this really, they they brought women from the halfway house and they're taking all the shit off the walls. And it must have been a riot, right? I would agree. And they, but this is the tinfoil hat talking. They bust into Clive's office and shut the door and go over and hit stop on the tape. And Sean Puff Daddy Combs pulls his gun on everybody. And that's, <laughs> that's my, that's my, and then they call the, and then someone, and then someone figures that someone calls the cops. That sounds more because, believable to me. Cause, cause yeah. bottom line, it, and I don't know what you think after hearing this, but after doing this research, I don't think this is true. I don't think that the whole story is true at all. No, but if it, any of it's true, like the, because there's that little bit where it's like, well, maybe it's because of him. And it's like, well, why would it be because of him? What what did he do? He didn't. He was actually in a meeting. Yeah, already. Yeah. Well, I, here's here's yeah. the reason I don't think it's real. So it is well documented, it's crazy, but it's only told by members of TLC. Those are the only people. That's who right. Tell it. I've I yeah. can't find anything where Sean Puffy Combs talks about it. Cause you would, you know, he'd be out talking about it. There is, there's like some tabloid TV stuff where they like stick a camera in Clive Davis's face and Clive Davis is like, that's not real. So, I mean, <laughs> he, he could be lying, but also why, you know? Uh, and th- this whole mess is depicted in that movie, like I said. And so they get extra mileage out of it, but there were a lot of things about pebbles depicted in that movie too. This is the other reason that I don't think it's real. And in fact, if you read much about the relationship between Pebbles and TLC, you usually get a very light retelling of stuff that is in the film, but isn't necessarily in the research. So people like even that quote from, from crystal about her being misleading with the contracts. There's not actual proof of that stuff. Like there, there doesn't seem to be a, a real document. This like TLC says Pebbles got us into a bad deal, but even they don't seem to have really like accused her of this stuff. So imagine this: you're Pebbles. You've turned to the Lord. You're trying. You've you have repented, right? You've left the industry basically. Though she's been doing things on BET and other places for a while. And but she's, like Abalonia, but she's a businesswoman. And oh, when that yeah. film hits cable in 2013. She sues everybody, the band members, the screenwriter, and then eventually, this is what you do. This is what you learn when you work in an industry where you have to worry about lawsuits. You you go for the biggest pockets. So she goes to Viacom, and Viacom is like, we're not scared of this woman. And so they keep going to get the lawsuit thrown out. So they make motions to have it thrown out like multiple times because – the TLC girls were heavily involved in making the movie and it was positioned. The movie was supposed to be like, this is their version of the story. So that Viacom thinks that's enough to protect them of like, okay, this is like, we have made it very clear that this is basically Tion and Chili's version of this. So it's, we're not saying it's the truth. Right. And they think Pebbles is bad. So that's their whole thing. 
But the judge, they get this judge who refuses uh, to, to, draw, to throw it out. He refuses to throw it out. And he sends yeah. it to trial. And so because he sent it to trial, Viacom gets spooked. And they, and we, I don't think we know the terms of the settlement, but they actually settle with Pebbles in like mm-hmm. 2017 or something. And so she gets yeah. a court settlement out of... So I bring all this up to say this movie's been discredited as being very accurate in in a court yeah. of law, or, or not quite, but almost, like essentially, in the courts. Like the judges have been like, yeah, I don't know. this The way this was portrayed is pretty suspect. So the main source of this story is in this movie, and then the girls have just sort of adopted this as a talking point because it's sensational. I'm I'm not sure it happened. I think it's a great story and a great talking point. And I think TLC is a great band to talk about both for great music and for the insane things that happened with them. But we don't even need this story. Like they're a wild enough act with a bunch of certifiable stories that we know are true. We don't even need this story about them holding up Clive Davis. <laughs> yeah. We could have talked this entire episode about Lisa Left Eye and her and her death. Right. So it's 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 like it's so interesting to have when you have an artist that, you know, the song it, it's whether it's a rock band or pops or whatever let where it's like almost nebulous about how much crazy stuff happens. It's, and it yeah. somehow sucks you in more. It, like it's, it's a, almost it like a, I mean, here's my theory if we're just doing crackpot theories since we've already you know, said that the the gunman was Puffy Combs. Uh, we, maybe, maybe... He was behind the grassy knoll. He yeah, was he behind was... the grassy knoll, Brian. <laughs> so, may, maybe <laughs> this is all... Listen, we want to stop having to talk about Lisa Lopez. Like, let's yeah. do something else. Uh, let's... Let's create a story that distracts from her death because it's a painful thing to talk about. I mean, I I would buy yeah. that. I would buy that. And we, I mean, we can touch on it really quickly. Like she, it's it's interesting because I remember she died, and I, to be honest, get a little confused between there's several tragic deaths in this brief period of women in R and B. Right? We, you know, so we lose Aaliyah. She there's, has a, there's, but there's a documentary about it. But and, here's the thing I had forgotten. They were shooting a documentary about her, and there are when the yeah. when there is the auto accident. It's an auto accident that kills Lisa Lopez. Yes. When the auto accident happens, yeah. the cameras are running. So this is That's on camera, and then eventually yeah. the documentary yeah. of the last twenty seven days of her life is released, and she is in Honduras setting up like schools or something. Like she's doing mm-hmm. it, it. It's it's not like she's out being a party animal. Like it, it, I think it gets very right. misconstrued because what happens, and this is the this is part of the reason we do this podcast, right? Like what happens is stuff floats around, sort of in your in the collective memory, and it's like, okay, we know Lisa had an alcohol problem. We know she something about a bathtub and shoes and burning down a house. She was crazy and crazy, sexy, cool, right? So we know she's crazy. Mm-hmm. So then she died. I'm sure it was a drug overdose, or I'm sure it was a blah blah blah, or whatever, right? Maybe it was a plane crash because you've gotten confused with Aaliyah. No, no, she literally is, is trying to help people in Honduras. But there's an even crazy. Do you know the story about what happens before about the so? There's two auto accidents. There's the one that kills her. I can't remember. Okay, and then there's oh, one. There's another one. There's that she's one in. two weeks yeah. before where she her she's in the car. 
and her assistant is driving and they're in Honduras and they kill a boy on the side of the road. Yeah, it's so crazy. And that yeah. story is absolutely nuts because they end up um, doing a whole thing where like he steps out into the median, like it's just crowded. Like Honduras is very crowded. The roads are crowded. And this sort of stuff I think is actually more common than, you know, anybody would like to admit or like for it to be. But this kid ends up getting hit. They actually get out and try to give him mouth to mouth. They rush him to a hospital. They pay for his medical expenses. It's a whole thing. And then they end up actually going to the funeral. And like all of like a lot of this is actually captured in the last days of Left Eye, which is the documentary that comes out after she dies that documents the last month of her life up to her death. Yeah. With the cameras rolling. Yeah. So I mean TLC is an absolutely crazy story. And and there's more. There's like way more stuff, but this is just the main things that you hear about. And I you know, I'm glad this was the letter. This was the letter. <laughs> this was this was the letter. I don't think that one crazy story about TLC is true. I think it's a great talking yeah. point. But I do think I mean I do know these other stories are well documented. So there is plenty of stuff to sink your teeth into when it comes to TLC. So check out the show notes. There's lots of stuff there to dig through. And uh, if you've got a letter for us, it's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. We will be happy to dig in and see what we can find out ourselves as well. Um, Let's see. How do people get involved? Patreon.com. If you want to support the show, that's an easy way to do it. You can drop us a few bucks and get some stuff. We've actually been doing some early release stuff, early access to interviews and other things that you can uh, grab up there along with extra bonus episodes, newsletters, etc. And Instagram, it's backslash rock and roll bedtime stories. You can find us on their website. We are the storyguys.com. And until next time, Murdoch, what should people keep doing? Uh, keep telling stories. Rock and roll bedtime stories is a story guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright boy have we got stories productions. All rights reserved.